everybody and welcome to the sunny 16 podcast uh, my name's aid this is i think show 140 uh, and i think 140 pounds is the new price for a fuji film um, but we're more on that later um, and first of all though i'd like to have a bit of a shout out to our good buddy matthew uh, otherwise known as photo dudens and um, matthew uh, i'm sorry we just can't keep up the pace of recordings for you i know you've caught up i know you're going to be having withdrawal symptoms stick with it buddy we're thinking of you and we'll produce as much long-form content as you can possibly consume actually no i just said we can't do that we'll do as much as we can <laughs> um, sadly we have not got rach with us this week uh rach is busy uh but of course i do have graham and we do have some super special guests and we do have actually uh, a rather interesting and hopefully uh contentious topic this evening <laughs> I am looking forward to this one quite a lot, actually. I have some strong views on it myself. But first of all, Graham, how are you doing? I am doing very well, thank you, Aid. Yeah, uh, I've had a fun day. It's been gloriously sunny these last few days, and I've been feeling like a real winner being out in it. So I'm loving that. I'm seriously considering moving into shorts already. I mean, we're we're still in February here. This this is you know a bold claim, but I might be moving to shorts already, so I can really work on that tan for the photography show. Um, so look forward to that. Do you know what? Last year we did the photography show and it was snow and ice, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, really. really was. And now we're two weeks ahead of it or three weeks ahead of it. And we're still, yeah, we're already, you know, really glorious sunshine. So, uh, yeah, get out there. The growing season's going to start early this year, mate. You're going to be busy. Uh, yeah, it's already starting. It's going to be mad this season. Still, I'm not going to complain. No, no, probably best not. Um, best to save your complaining for the main topic of the show today. Oh, you know what? I think we've probably got complaining covered by the guests we've got here. I think we're, we're going to have plenty of that. OK, well, I'll tell you what we'll introduce first or who will introduce first. Excuse me, is is a friend of the show and super special guest for this week. Uh, who's actually actually whose idea it was, I think, if I get that right, um, I had to have this topic. Uh, and uh, so if you like the show, um, you know, give him a round of applause. If you don't like the show, uh, hit him up on Twitter. You all know where he is. I am, of course, talking about our friend Anil Mystery. Anil, how are you doing? Hello, photography world. Hope you're all very well. Um, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? That's a good point. The world of photography listens to us, all of them, every single one of them, even all the ones that should have been listening. Seven. <laughs> well, that, so so you, we've got to talk about this. Lots of stuff to talk about today. But welcome back to the show, mate. Thank you. Um, and also our second super special guest, uh, who also has, I hope, some reasonably well formed and thought through and uh, strong opinions on this topic. Uh, well, please welcome back to the show, uh, Stephen Dowling of Cosmo Photo. How are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, great to be back again. Thank you. It's okay. been quite a while since we had you on as well, hasn't it, Stephen? So when was it? It was early last year? Yeah, probably a similar time, I think, February. Yeah. God. A long time ago. Lots and lots of things have changed in the world of photography since then, especially in the world of film photography. Um, and uh, yeah. OK, so tonight... Right. I say tonight because we're recording tonight. It may not be nighttime wherever you're listening, folks, but uh, yeah, it, it is here in the UK. Uh, tonight we are going to talk about uh, a, a reasonably hot topic. Um, and uh, this is um, well, let me get let me let me have a go at it. Anno, and you tell me if I've got it right. This is the uh, the recent ish recent ish enormous price increases for compact 35 mil cameras. Have I got that right? Yeah, well, I, I think um, they've just been going up 
month by month, really, uh, depending on whichever uh, minor celebrity has uh, shown, you know, been walking around with one on Instagram. And um, we started talking about it because I saw uh, a piece that uh, Stephen had uh, put out um, moaning about it all. And um, <laughs> it's just, um, it, it, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting thing to talk about because uh, we all love a point and shoot, I think. Um, but they are getting ridic- ridiculously expensive. They are, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Stephen, so you, so maybe you're, you're the inspiration for t- for today's conversation, and Stephen. Uh, so uh, tell us, uh, what what is it that you're thinking here? Well, I'm just remembering uh, that I did a piece um, on Cosmophoto about July last year, um, which was called "The Problem with the Premium Film Compact Bubble," um, which was basically setting out some of the issues um, that the wider film photography community might have to deal with when you have uh, cameras like the Contax T3 and the Nikon 35Ti um, costing a great deal of money indeed. And recently, a few weeks ago, just you know, at lunch or after work, surfing around, I had a look at um, Sending, which is a, a camera shop and camera repair in central London, who are, uh, you know, with no disrespect to Sending, pretty expensive place. Yep. <laughs> uh, you, your stuff will be um, hopefully prepared, uh, repaired properly. I, I can say anything I've taken in there uh, a few years ago. The repairs were very good. I've, I've heard some... Um, some not so happy customers since, but uh, yeah, everything I've I've had there was uh, was in good shape. Um, but they're quite pricey, um, I think, partly because they're they're based right in the very centre of the West End. But they had a a Contax T3 with a six month guarantee um, that was nineteen hundred pounds. Wow, um, which I thought was the story really. That, that <laughs> Context, uh, 1990s era context, um, compact 35 mil, um, with Zeiss glass, um, you know, basically a, a Kyocera camera. Um, but you know, given the context badge, like a lot of the Japanese camera makers did, they, you know, Cosina um, took the Voigtlander name and, uh, um, you know, what have you. Uh, I just thought it was quite an incredible price, and I did a story, and it c- kind of went crazy. Um, a lot of people got involved, you know, leaving comments on the blog or on Facebook or in the in the Facebook groups that I um, am a member of on, uh, you know, film photography groups, that kind of thing. And you know, some people were saying, "Oh, they're great cameras," and and other people were. Um, I mean, I, I made that story pretty straight. I did it as a news story, and I just said, "Well, you know, here's what people are asking for a Contax T3, a camera that is. Well, I, I can't actually remember when they stopped making them, but Anil, you might know better than me. It was probably in the 2000s, wasn't it? 2000s. Yeah." Yeah, very, very early 2000s. I suppose that's the, the other reason for their, their price as well, because in terms of point and shoots, they're the youngest, if that makes sense. So they're, theoretically, they're the most likely to last the longest, as well as being very good, of course. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the lenses are absolutely fantastic. You know, one of the things with the, the sort of family of um, premium compacts which came out in the 90s, we're talking about, you know, those contacts cameras, contacts T, contacts TVS, um, the T2, the T3, um, the Nikon 35 and 28 TIs, which are gorgeous looking things. Um, the Minolta TC one, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And then sort of further down on the price scale, uh, you get the Yashica T4s and T5s, um, the ones just with just the, um, the fixed focal length, 35 mil. And those things are going for 500 quid. Um, and uh, then further down, you get things like the... Olympus Mu, uh, um, which millions of those were sold. I mean, uh, you could you could think of them as the the Trip Thirty Five of the nineties. Really, you know, most of my friends. This was even before I really got into film photography in the in the nineties. But I can remember so many of my friends had a Mu Two or a Mu One. Um, you know, they they were the the camera that people bought before they went on a summer holiday and. If you want one that's working and hasn't got a battery compartment that's like looks like a scene from Alien or um, <laughs> scuff for hell, yeah, you can drop 150 quid on those pretty easily, and um, you know that was a that was a ubiquitous camera. So you know the price of these things is just is going up and up and up. And uh, without wanting to sort of hog the mic too much (laughs) at the moment uh, and maybe preempt an ill, but um, we're talking very complicated electronic cameras. These are not Leica M6s with, um, you know, mechanical shutters essentially that um, will work without the battery. You're talking about something with, lots of tiny intricate moving parts and lcds and and lots of electronics and you know what do you own that's an electronic device from the mid 90s late 90s that's still working (laughs) you'll have to give me a minute on that one i'm afraid (laughs) i'm not sure i've got an easy answer to that okay so this is so that's where we start the conversation and and it's yeah uh, 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 well observed, uh, well observed. But then, uh, Anil, I think uh, you know this. This is uh, something that you have some views on as well, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think today's conversation is, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it's an actual fact, and we all know that. So it's, not, I don't think I'm not. My arguments are going to be counter arguments. I think I'm very much in agreement. Essentially, prices are going up. Just on a point though, with sending cameras, I've been there a few, there a few times, and they are actually based in Hatton Garden. And I think uh, if anyone wants to rob a diamond store, forget it and just uh, rob <laughs> sending cameras. Uh, I think you'll do a lot better out of it. Um, so yeah, I mean the prices are going up, and that's just sadly just a fact because something becomes scarce and you know if you think of cars you know vintage cars um the prices suddenly jump up you know i was uh weirdly i only started driving a couple of years ago and um i started thinking oh god i used to love those um early golfs vw golfs the boxy looking ones yeah yeah Hmm. and i started looking i could not believe the prices i thought there'd be a couple of grand you know but um, these are now vintage and classic cars and they they command a massive price and the other thing is now 
obviously they're the things like you know i'm i'm well nearing the end of my 40s uh so for me they, they that was just a thing i grew up with but now there's a generation of people who are into those things so my son uh who's 16 he loves those cars as well so there's this you've got a newer generation and you basically you forget how old you're getting and you forget how old these things are they were made once and they're not going to be made again so and also they start to disappear you know the cars rust away and the cameras start to die i mean and i think in that world of point and shoots i think there was some there are some better eras from which you can buy things and there's lots to talk about i think so i've got i've got a table covered in point and shoots right now because for the past two years um i've been going to every charity shop i can find wherever i go uh, and sometimes i make specific trips out just to find charity shops uh, and see what kind of cameras they've got um left in some little basket of cables or somewhere on a shelf and i always go in and say um in fact i don't even say do you have any cameras um i actually i'm a bit more forceful i say can i have a look at your box of cameras you've got in the back whether i've been in the shop or not every charity shop has a box of cameras in the back and you just give really good eye contact to the, the member of staff in the shop you don't lose eye contact and then they sort of buckle a bit and then either go and ask their boss in the back or just go and pull it out for you um i'm talking about the box of cameras in the back of course and um <laughs> uh, and um you can route through this thing and see what you find and generally you know most weekends i'm, I'm finding stuff and that's how i ended up uh, finding I've got three Mewtwo's. I've never paid more than a pound for my Olympus Mewtwo's. Two of them are 50p. Uh, one was a pound. Um, I found Yashica cameras. Um, I found all sorts. And, um, you know, these things are out there. Now, obviously, you can look at eBay and get, you know, have a heart attack. But remember that eBay is just a globalized, centralized market. If you want something, there will be a set price that, and if you're prepared to pay for it, it's there. But as Stephen touched on earlier, these Mewtwo's, they were in every kitchen drawer in the 90s. You know, most houses, these things sold in the millions and there's loads of them out there. So you don't have to. And OK, if you want one and you've got the money, yeah, knock yourself out. Go and pay 150 quid, 200 pounds, whatever you want um, and take a punt. But for me, in the same way as with, uh, you know, I love an analogy. For me, it's uh, vinyl. So I, I've got thousands of jazz and funk and soul records. I collect vinyl. Um, like most people my age, I used to DJ at some point back in the day. But I love records and I used to you know, dig through the crates. So everywhere I went from a car booty to a secondhand shop to going up to London, uh to look through record shops you'd find these original albums um you know you might pay 50p for something some incredible rare thing by james brown or you might pay full whack because they know what they're selling but now you've got reissues you know all on beautiful 180 gram vinyl now obviously because that's a piece of plastic they can re-stamp if there's a market and you get a perfect good working new thing now you can't do that do that with cameras so there is a dying market these cameras are dying but there are loads and loads of them out there and i think the first thing is before we all get all depressed about it go out there and look for them because um on my table i've got one two three four i've got about 16 17 cameras and i probably haven't paid more than 50 pounds for a lot of them so in a world of supply and demand right yeah. you are you are materially impacting supply just all yes. on your own <laughs> yeah well you know what it is i uh, i'm like a, I, I can't I, i'm like the camera rescue i, I hate going past the shop and seeing a camera there that I know will either end up in a bit of landfill or it will just be there and ignored. I'd rather take a punt and give a charity shop, you know, a few quid 
and not know if it works and take it home and give it a try. And if it works, great, good for me. If it doesn't, they've had a, they've had a few quid, so everyone's a winner, you know? Well, um, apart, apart from the, the uh, next person. Beers. Sorry? Sell <laughs> vapors beers. <laughs> well, you see, I mean, I would say that, you know, what about the next person that comes along, the student that comes along, or the person who just wants to get into photography who wants to come along and finds that the place has been cleaned out by you and they now can't buy a camera from there because you've swiped them all? Well, I'll give you an example. So I've got like three Mew ones as well. In fact, I've got four Mew ones, but two of them don't work very well. So, and this is the point these things die. So you might as well grab them while they're around, and all you have to do is get up off your ass. And, you know, I've had people say to me on social media, wow, where do you get your cameras from? Well, I just, I, bo- I'm, I bother to get up <laughs> on a Saturday morning <laughs> and go to the local charity shop. It's really as simple as that. I and, knew you know, there was a reason I didn't like you. You yeah. bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, I, I, I love rummaging through car boot sales and seeing what's going you? Oh, oh God, so... I couldn't imagine anything worse. Well, there was... you go then. You know, I mean, you know, you... that's how I used to find my records. But it's like treasure. It's treasure hunting. You know, yeah, but, I, but I never it... had. But yeah. you're actively taking things out. You, you're saying to people, oh, dear, these things are out there. But you and plenty of other people like you yeah. are actively hoarding this stuff. I use them. I'm not hoarding them. I mean, I've got... You, you I've... use all four of your Mew ones, do you? Yes, I do. Okay, I do. I, I lend them to people. I've given them away as well. I, I let my son use them. He's studying photography. I give, cam- I give, give a lot of cameras away as well. If I go on photo walks, I'll give cameras away to people. So... Okay. It's not something that I sit there like a, uh, you know, Scrooge just, you know, naked, surrounded, like Scrooge mucked up of <laughs> pointed remember Scrooge naked. Just, uh, <laughs> covered in cameras and jumping up and down on a mountain of cameras like that dragon in The Hobbit. No, I, I you know, I, I look after them. I try and make them work. I fix them if I can. But also the other thing is I'm very aware of. So, for example, I've got an old Yashica, the, like the first, the T-Star AFD, which was the, the first iteration of the Yashica T, what is now the T5. So for my T5, I paid full whack. I paid like, I'm holding it here, I paid £260 for that two years ago. Now, stupidly, that's worth £500 now. Whereas the T-Star AFD, whatever I found, I got that for 50p. It worked the first time um, I used it, then it died. But I'm holding on to the lens because that piece of glass, that that, um, Carl Zeiss lens, in there hopefully at some point i'll find some way or someone who can adapt that and maybe stick it in an m mount or do something with it and so like in the world of vintage cars it's just because something doesn't work doesn't mean you you throw the whole thing away you can take it apart okay can we talk about that then yeah right can we talk because you 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 gave two examples right you gave the example of cars right and and cars uh it's well known that you you can restore old cars they are uh, and the older they are in some ways to a point the easier they are to restore because they are less electrical um isn't it the, isn't it the the, the difference that the with, with these with these more modern compact cameras they're going for the ridiculous premium prices is it that you know a single dry joint a, yeah a single dry joint of solder could break the whole thing couldn't it yeah yeah i mean this is the thing it's like i think what was the classic one there was the uh like uh oh steven you'll know what was the premium like a point and shoot many lots that's it, the Mini Lux, a beautiful, gorgeous thing. It looked like the Nikon 35 Ti, that lovely boxy 90s metallic, all metal, titanium, you know, primo dentist point and shoot. Um, um, 
and that thing, you know, it, once it goes, you know, I think you get some flashing error. And the same with contacts G1s and G2s as well. Once something goes, it just goes. And either, and the thing is, yes, obviously those chips, you can't just open them up and make them work, but you may be able to save them in some way. So the reality of it is, yes, every time you buy one of those cameras, you are taking a punt. But in terms of the age of the object, you know, comparing the circuitry of something from the 80s, which was much simpler, um, and maybe not as as good quality, but that, that's an arguable point, uh, to a camera from, say, the mid to late 90s, you know, point in, a really classy point and shoot, that theoretically, A, has got, you know, a, an extra decade of life in it because it's newer. Um, and theoretically, you know, you would have thought that a decade down the line, they've ironed out lots of issues that previous cameras might have had. Um, so there's that way of looking at it. But the other way is, yes, I mean, Jesus Christ, these, some of these things are ridiculously expensive, but that is just the market. And because people have latched onto the fact that, you know, some celebrities have these things and they become rare and scarcity is a big thing now. You know, that's you've got teenagers who are making a fortune just buying and selling Supreme branded T-shirts and stuff online. You know, kids who have become millionaires is flipping um, stuff they buy it and you know they, they get a load of bots to buy stuff for them as soon as, as there's a drop of new clothing out there and then they flip it um, online and make a load of money and that that mentality is how a lot of people are using that that way of thinking to sort of generally make money now it's just cotton everyone's cottoned on basically you know ebay now compared to ebay a decade ago is a very very different place yeah. um but also you know it, it's it's exciting in a way in that it's a sign that film photography is become is coming back at, and is popular, but it's manifesting itself in this sad way that obviously as a result of that, things are going to become rarer and become more expensive, as we know. Um, so it's something that can't be avoided. Yeah, there are other issues, I think, with it too. And I, I outlined this um, in the uh, the piece I did last year, which which partly was inspired by um, something the film photography podcast were talking about. Uh, I can't remember who said it. It might actually be in, in the article. But there was a really good point that, you know, say you're, you're one of those people who, who follows, you know, um, Kendall Jenner, you know, who appears on a, a talk show with a Contax T2, and you think, I've got to have one of those. So you go into some record record store, camera store in the States, and you they've got a Contax T2, and you think, great, okay, and it's $1,000. But you buy it. You buy it, and you start going out and taking pictures and, you know, getting them scanned and we transferred to you and uh, putting them on Instagram. And then six weeks later, something goes in that Contax T2 that, means it can't be repaired so you have a, a paperweight basically now uh last summer doing very much um the same same kind of thing that anil does i walked past a charity shop in blackheath in southeast london and i saw an olympus af1 sort of weatherproof um late 80s uh compact and it was five quid so i went in and i bought it now if that camera craps out which it hasn't i've taken a few rolls on it and it seems to be working absolutely fine um 
I've spent less than the cost of a roll of film on it. Yep. If some poor kid buys a thousand dollar thousand pack contacts T2 and after six weeks it stops working, there is an enormous amount of money they've invested in something. And by taking the camera that they've thrown all that cash out out of commission, they then no longer have a camera and they can't spend any money on buying film and getting it developed and keeping the rest of the ecosystem going. But they can buy another camera. Is that, yeah, I was going to say, is that <laughs> is that right? Because if they have the money to just drop a thousand quid on a, on a camera like that anyway, right, they're, they're not really going to worry about how much a roll of film costs, are they, or another camera? Yeah. But, but they're probably, well, yeah, they might, they might go, well, what did I buy that for? Um, <laughs> well, they might learn something. Right? Yes. I would, yeah, I would. Oh, and they, they might also go, oh, gee, you know, what a pain in the ass that was. I've got nothing out of it because the camera died. And maybe they don't shoot film anymore at all. I, I would argue that if you're the kind of person that's shallow enough to spend, drop over $1,000 on a camera because Kendall Jenner has it, you're, you're the kind of person who'd drop $1,000 on a handbag or two pairs of sneakers or something that you'd be bored of and tired of anyway and until you get daddy to buy you the next thing. Yeah. Uh, because uh, going back to the whole car thing, and I think this is going to be an, a really interesting area where we can take this conversation as well, is that, yeah, some cars look great, but it's what's under the hood that matters. And, you know, these these cameras that are the, the superstar ones, if you like, are they look gorgeous. And, you know, they are lovely things to hold and feel. If you've ever held one of these premium cameras, it's that cold metal feeling. It's, they're, they're beautiful. They're, they're really well-designed, gorgeous objects. Um, but there are other things around that are uh, cost a lot less, maybe aren't as pretty, but are just as damn good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that's the exciting place for me. And as you said, you know, you you bought that Canon A1. I've got I've got two of those. And again, I paid like fifty p for one, three quid for the other. And you can take them into the sea. They're incredible. Yeah. Absolutely amazing camera, and they're great lens because it's well, I think it's a thirty-two mil lens, isn't it? And you can you can take them out in the rain yeah. and leave the flash uh, on. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, have I, a great I actually, time. Yeah. Well, there, there, there's um, I can't remember his name. There was a Canadian um, street photographer who just walked around taking pictures with a sure shot A1, a, a, a waterproof camera that looks like something a clown would use. It's yeah. sort of white and red. Uh, and the lens on that is absolutely fantastic. But it's stunning because it, uh, it's waterproof. So what you can, it, it changes the way you shoot as well. I've taken it out in the rain. It's got a really good punchy flash on it. Put some nice black and white film in and, you know, force the flash on every shot you take. You just get really, really interesting stuff. Um, and there's loads of those things out there because, you know, again, they were in kitchen drawers all over the place. And th this is my point. It's not they. Yes, some of the, the sexier looking ones maybe in short supply because a less of them were made anyway yeah. um and b you could argue that a lot of people who bought them would probably have held on to them but there are millions upon millions of olympus mu one and twos and all the other versions of yeah. and that you know the af10s in the infinities and that there's so many iterations of them and they're really decent you know because what these companies got really good at was okay right okay let's keep that 2.8 lens let's just make the outer shell a bit more plasticky because uh, the plastics had got better so they could make it lighter and yes it might feel a bit flimsier but optically 
pretty much the same thing. I mean, in fact, I, I always have this argument with m lots of people. And, um, you know, you could post a picture online and say it's from any camera and most people couldn't tell. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the reality. Very, very true. That is very That's true. Most people reality. couldn't tell whether it was film or digital. Could they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my finds last year, um, so I live not far from Greenwich and southeast London. And, and uh, you know, some guys you should definitely get on the on the show at some point, uh, Sam and Claude, who run Greenwich Cameras, um, who have a stall at Greenwich Market and Spitalfields Market, um, and they sell cameras and film, and Claude does uh, repairs. And I bought a, a Konica MG, which is a sort of chunky, clunky, probably late 80s autofocus um, camera. Um, autofocus compact and it I think it was 25 quid I took that out with me uh, on a trip to Belgium in the summer and the pictures of it were absolutely fantastic it had when it caught highlights it gave this really nice glow off them that just looked lovely like whether it was black and white or color film so that's that's the kind of stuff that I would urge people to um, to try and find and and you know do what Anil's yeah, yeah. doing and you know yeah I call them stunt stunt cameras I call yeah. them stunt cameras because you've paid sod all for them yeah. um, they usually take standard pretty easy to find batteries and you just go out and play with them you can break them because you know for the price of a, a Mewtwo you can buy 20 stunt cameras and the, <laughs> the, the, the odds are a third or you know half of them will be as good as the Mewtwo frankly I mean I, I've another camera which is um, uh, gone up and down in price uh, and it, it's not autofocus and it's not premium um, but it is a absolutely fantastic compact camera is the Cosina CX2, which is the, the ancestor of the Lomo LCA. Now, uh, I think I bought four of those. Uh, they all work. Um, I think the most expensive one cost me 80 quid. Um, but you can, you can still find them for 40, 50 quid. And they're, uh, they're a zone focus compact. They've got a, a wonderful sort of sliding cover. Um, not, not like the LCA, which had something a, a lot more simple. It was obviously the, the bit that the Soviets couldn't work out how to, how to copy. Um, but they're, they're just, how would I describe them? They're, they're almost like a, a cure for writing block. They're my sort of creative block stoppers when it comes to photography, if I'm in a rut or thinking, you know, I'm, I'm looking back at recent films I'm shot, shot on a rangefinder or, or an SLR and think, oh, you know, I'm, my hit rate's gone down or, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing things right at the moment. I just take a Lomo LCA out or a Cosina CX2 and it's play. It's, it just makes you enjoy taking pictures because there's very little to go wrong with them. I mean, they, they, they have electronics because they have a, um, automated exposure, but they're, they're pretty robust. Um, you know, I could whack lyrical about the LCA all night because that's the camera that got me into film photography. 
And, you know, I bought the first one from this wonderful shop, sadly long gone, uh, the clock and camera shop on New Oxford Street. I bought my LCA in 2000 and it cost me 75 quid. Um, but the guys had checked it over. Um, you know, it was one of those camera shops that had two or three benches out the back with people working on stuff. Um, and it's still working, you know, nearly 20 years later the I've had to replace the screws on the front once. Uh, I mean the, the frame counter doesn't work anymore, but, uh, I, I spent all of last summer cause, um, because I have like dozens of cameras now and I'm always like, t- you know, testing new camera thinking, Oh, you know, I haven't shot some of this film for a while and I haven't used this camera yet. And Neil knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure. Um, I just thought everywhere I go, and I was going on a few trips out of the UK and, um, you know, a few trips within the UK, I just thought I'll take my LCA with me everywhere. So I must have rattled off about 30 rolls over the summer on my LCA. And my hit rate on that camera is just so much better than anything else because I've used it for so long. It's just second nature. Yeah, you're just less precious when you, you know, it's when you've got an expensive or, you know, inverted commas, proper camera you're carrying around, it almost imposes a set of proper rules on you and you feel you're having to treat it in a certain way. If you've got a little plastic throw around thing, you're going to mess around with it and have fun and stick it under things and just play. And I, I think that they're fun and they're good. They're worthwhile sort of finding good ones just for that reason alone. Um because it changes the way you shoot. And it, on that sort of, you know, those sort of aperture. So, you know, you can, you know, for under 40 quid, you can still, in most places, find a, an Olympus XA2, which is a staggering camera. You can still buy an Olympus Trip 35, which just, as yeah. long as the, um, the, the, the uh, light uh, sensor thing, meter thing, the selenium thing is working, they just don't die. They're just solid pieces of metal. They're incredible. Um, and there's also the Agfa Optimas, which people are starting to notice now because they look like a mini Plowbell Machina. But they're just gorgeous. They're made of that solid 80s ABS plastic that sort of Atari joysticks were made out yeah. of. And they're gorgeous. They, you know, you could knock a, a wall through with one and nothing would happen to it. So there's, there's lots of toys out there. And, they, they, you know, these are the ones that aren't autofocus. They're more sort of, you know... Um, zone focusing cameras uh those things will last forever so so yeah. what, are, what are we feeling here though right so so i'm getting a bit confused because i thought we were going to have a conversation uh, maybe about how terrible it is that the prices of these things have gone through the roof and and we're having and we're sort of having a conversation about how good it is that there's still loads and loads of cameras out there that can be had for cheap i mean i don't think anybody is 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 trying to challenge that they're, they're they can be great fun or anything like that it's so so i don't know i mean i i had a feeling before we started this conversation Anna, that you might be i don't know angry in some way or no, i'm not i'm or, not angry at, at all i mean the market is the market i mean you know um it's just the reality of it it's uh, i think a stories like you know uh celebrities carrying cameras around you know is it brie larson who's carrying a canon a1 around um and then a nikon fn10 as well which yeah. is pretty pretty much the, the cheapest sla you can buy good yeah. on it yeah exactly i mean you know it, it's it it's because it's, it's a celebrity story it everyone it, it gets everyone's backup because of course it's like oh these 
bloody buggers now that you know they're carrying it around for fashion reasons and they're you know conning us uh real photographers out of that and i think we've just got to be careful it's it's it it's the market a it's the double-edged sword you know um these people are putting film photography back in the eye of yeah. kids of another age to us so that's only a good thing because you know us beardy old blokes walking around the city center aren't gonna <laughs> you know <laughs> talk to a bunch of lads on skateboards and say hey guys why don't you uh, have a look at our cameras because that would just be wrong but so, if they read about it in <laughs> in um you know, in a magazine or something and they say picture that's going to in interest them and that gets them excited yes i know it's daft that, that the fact that these things cost stupid amounts of money but certain things always are like that and when something is uh precious and rare it's going to cost more and as it becomes rarer it's going to cost even more i think the challenge is you know and like say a rolex watch which you know can can carry on going up in price or to, to some point certain leica cameras for example or purely mechanical cameras uh, these things do have a shelf life and that's where you know you just buy or beware a little bit and because there is that urge especially if you're into your photography and cameras because i'm always you know I, I was at work today i didn't have much to do and i was just just looking at eBay and knowing I was going to speak on the show later and just looking at the general cost of these point and shoots. And I was quite amazed because some of the things that, um, you know, I've been buying for like 50p are actually worth 50 pounds. So another way of looking at it, actually, if you're a film photographer and love film is as an investment, <laughs> if, if you go out <laughs> and find, find these cameras, A, you can use them um which is nice and b if you keep them in good nick then you can always um sell them on if, if you want to oh, um, so, so okay so the, the market so the market thing i get right and i think i i have i have a view on that myself which is the yeah it's supply and demand right and and that will do yeah the market price will be what what the it'll be the price that the market will bear and some somehow the and yes they might you get occasional peaks and troughs but broadly speaking the market price is the price that people are prepared to pay for these things right so if there are a bunch of people who who are prepared to pay more because they're suddenly lifestyle accessories well that's not for everybody but yeah, we live in a world where you know the 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 film photography market is uh, well the the general trend over the last fifteen years, of course, has been you know a massive decline. But we we yeah, maybe we've hit bottom and come up the other side now. And there are there there you know there are there is a a new film photography industry that is operating at a different scale, and there are it's attracting new entrants to the market. Um, although mostly in the it, it, mostly not in the camera manufacturing stage but i i kind of think that the the market price will be what the market bears but and is i think it's good as well in a way you know to you know if, if you can make it a lifestyle thing like you know vinyl records or classic cars or whatever then would we not all benefit from that would that not attract people to the film photography market uh, yeah i mean yes yeah uh, and you know there, there's another thing going on here if you know we forget that there might be sort of, uh, you know, certain Japanese businessmen sort of coldly and calmly looking at the rising prices of Context T2s before they they press some magic button that gets some, um, you know, assembly line going deep in the bowels of their factory. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, what would it cost to um, to bring a new autofocus compact camera to market which is the kind of thing that um 
Bellamy, where are you? Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't got Bellamy on the show today, but... Um, what I know from conversations I've had with other people, that if you wanted to bring a camera like that to market, you basically got to sink about $10 million into the project. Yeah. So uh, um, you are looking at one of the big, you know, Ricoh, Canon, Nikon, Olympus maybe. Um, I mean, if Olympus brought back the Mu2, which, you know, I can't remember how that, how much those things sold for, but it was something ridiculous, like 90, 90 quid. Yeah, it's about it's 90, 100, something like that, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I remember my dad bought my mum one once for Christmas. I don't, I have no idea which one it was. It was a very long time ago, but uh, yeah, about that, I think. So, you know, if they bought something like that back, bearing in mind that they've, they've built it, 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 we're not talking like some arcane, like 1960s Voigtlander camera with all these over-engineered bits of German genius that like you simply couldn't replicate these days because there isn't the knowledge, the engineering knowledge to make that anymore. Um, but we're talking about a, a pretty robust, um, you know, camera with uh, you know enough electronics but you know not overburdened with bells and whistles and in a really tough um plastic chassis that sort of takes the knocks now let's say they bought one of those out for 300 quid would you buy one i would i'd, I'd be happy to give olympus 300 quid to buy a brand new like new but how many other people would, I mean, you guys were both saying at the beginning yep. of this with these cameras, oh, you know, there are millions of these and they were in every cupboard, never draw. And that's right. But there are millions of people aren't going to buy these again. I mean, can you imagine if 50,000 people bought one, that would be amazing. That is also a way smaller number than a million. I mean, and that, yeah. that's the problem with all of this. And also remember, there's probably over 500 million still amazing ones sat in kitchen drawers and this yeah, sort of thing maybe but you know because uh, i, I want to address kitchen. this it's a, it's a big kitchen that's big because because the thing is this conversation is we've, we've got things at kind of two ends of the scale here so on the one hand we've got these premium cameras things like the contacts which are just to be honest i mean th that seems like a um self-regulating problem these cameras which are actually the ones most likely to fail, have got really expensive of being bought by the people who are most able to bear the cost of losing something like that. It's like, well, that's fine. That's just natural selection network. I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, and on the other hand, you're saying, well, there's millions of these cameras out there. You just go into a charity shop and pick them up for a quid. And but the reality is, like, those are getting harder to find because there are more people getting into the hobby. And in, in, if you live in a more rural area, and there's one or two people who are doing the same thing as you, then you have to be the lucky one that's there on the right day. I've certainly noticed in the last few years around my area, there's an incredible decrease in what's available. Um, and so people who are more informed and actually either want to get into the hobby or are into the hobby already, so they're not the kind of people who are going to be suddenly attracted by Kendall Jenner or Chris Hemsworth um, having a camera. That's not why they're here. But they want to pick up a camera. Maybe they want to pick up a point and shoot me, whatever the reason. Um, what do they do? Because saying, oh, we'll just go and find one of these cheap ones, there's millions of them, that's all fine and well, but it relies purely on serendipity. And you can be unlucky for a long time. Well, 
that's where the joy of eBay comes in. So, okay, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give, I've got a few, because the point is it's about having a bit of sense and just doing a bit of research. Whatever you want to buy, you've got to look into it, right? So yeah. let me give you an example. Okay, I was looking at um, the price of my Yashica T5 here. It's, um, it's hitting 500 pounds, if not more, if you're importing it from Japan, because then you've got to pay 20% tax on it. Um, now, for around that price, you can buy a Kanika Hexar. Now I know which one I'd rather have, <laughs> and I've got I, I've actually got both. But the <laughs> point I'm making, <laughs> the point I'm making, the point I'm making is that a Konica Hexar is just gorgeous. It's on another level as a camera, and okay, so yeah. this is where you get to that point where you realise there's the bullshit factor in the price of something, and you start shopping around and looking at okay, if I'm not going to buy a Mewtwo what else can I get instead and I've actually got some suggestions here that I would want to thought I'd go through for people some some of my top top buys personal buys anyway just through I've, I've been through loads of point and shoots um, and I found two or three that I think just absolutely kill it and are still really good value um, so I could I could tell you about them if you want yes please go do for it yeah okay. absolutely uh, the first one I think this is my I came upon this when I started looking into the world of half frame cameras and I bought a, an Olympus pen EE, which I really enjoyed. Then I thought, Oh God, you know what? I'd love an autofocus uh, half frame camera. So I found this thing called the Canon sure shot multi tele T E L E. Now what that is, it's a point and shoot camera, but it's got two lenses in it. It's actually got one lens, uh, but what it does is uh, it's really weird. When you press the button to fire the camera, the, the a little door opens in front. Um, it's like a uh, a dust cover, which pulls back itself to fire off the 35mm shot. Or you can uh, push a button on the back, and then it goes into 60mm mode. And what happens is the door opens, and the lens pops out on a plastic tube. It looks like a cuckoo clock. And it's hilarious, and it's really noisy. I'm just going to see if, it, if there's a battery in here. I'll fire it off. Hang on. And this is one of your recommendations, uh, is it's, it? <laughs> it's a stunning camera. Hang on. Oh, no. Is, is it on? Oh, no. Yeah. No, there's no battery in it. There we go. So, but the point stunning. is, right, this camera is incredible. I mean, it's got a really powerful flash on it. You can choose to shoot half frame or full frame. It's autofocus. It's really robust. Um, it's weatherproof and it's got a th um, you can shoot at 35 mil or 60 mil and it is just amazing and I've found about four or five of these in car booties everywhere they go for 50p in a car boot because they look like junk uh, on eBay they're probably around 30 40 pounds but they are worth every single penny because you've got an autofocus point and shoot it's and again it's you can shoot wide you can shoot close up and it's half frame and full frame. So you, you you can't go wrong. And if you can get one in good condition, they are incredible. So that's my first suggestion. The second one I'd make is, yeah, I like the Mew 2, but you know what? I much prefer the form factor and holding a Mew 1. I think they are just the better shape of camera. Ergonomically, they're easier to hold. When I, when I use a Mew 2 and I open the front lid, I end up not pressing the button on it, which is a weird oval shape button i end up just pressing the ridge and missing the button whereas on the mew 2 it's just an easier it's slightly bigger slightly more rounded it's a lot easier to hold and as a, a camera it, i mean it's just as bloody good and this is the other thing i think we get too caught, caught up on the 2.8 lens or the 3.5 lens or the f4 lens. i'm just screw it. it's, it's a point and shoot you know you are you really going to expect bokeh or, or on a little point and shoot 
you know, it, that's not the point of it. It's just to go out and shoot and play. And as long as it's robust enough, it works. So the Mi 1, I think, is still reasonably good value. But um, the other one that is, I would say, is a star camera. And a few people have picked up on this. Um, it's called the Pentax PC35 AFM. Now, it, it's got a clams, clamshell sort of slide open shape. Uh, so it probably came out early to mid 80s, just I'd imagine just after the Olympus XA series because everyone started copying that clamshell. But it's got a point, uh, point, uh, 2.8 lens, but there's something about the way this camera shoots. Um, I personally think it's better than the uh, my Yashica T5, just in terms of this, the, the sharpness and the punchiness of the shots, and they've got a lovely little vignette around them. It's just incredible. Um, and there's various versions of this. There's the PC35AF, which is a smaller one, which doesn't have a motor wind in it. So with that one, you actually, it's an autofocus camera, but you manually wind the film on. You actually sort of turn it. Uh, but the AFM has, was the next model along, um, and it's got the motor in. And um, it is a, it looks really cool. It looks like something designed by Sid Mead, the guy, production designer for Tron and Blade Runner. And mm -hmm. the... The shots are they, they are stunning. They are absolutely stunning. A while back, uh, when I started geeking out and looking into the camera, when I found it in the shop, um, I, I found an article. I think a French or an Italian woman had written it and, and, and done a really, really crazy in-depth uh, comparison between that between its lens and the Yashica T5. Um, and this camera had come out on top, but um, I can't find it anymore. But this camera is a killer. I mean, if you can find one, they go for a, again, they're readily available at car booties and secondhand shops. They are amongst the most cam common cameras you'll see, but on eBay, they probably go between 30 and 50 pounds. But if you want a autofocus point and shoot that is decent and it's solid, it's made of metal and plastic as well. It's really solidly made. Um, and you can find a piece, a Pentax PC 35 AFM. I recommend it because I just, um, every time I take it out, it just gives out fantastic shots. So that's my other recommendation. Those are some good recommendations. I, I have looked at those Pentaxes before and they're good chunky monkeys. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they have a, a certain angular charm to them, don't they? They're great. I love them. You know, you're, you know, you're holding a camera, you know, you can feel the, the weight of the metal inside. It's fantastic. I've got, I don't think it's one of those. I, it's a Pentax point and shoot from around that area. And I cannot remember what model it is, but the thing that sticks in my mind with it is that um, I know it's not because it's not a clamshell, um, but the it's got a lens cover you know, that opens and closes, but it doesn't open until you press the shutter button. It opens, takes the picture, and closes again, so the lens is never exposed. It's like, oh, that's, what a delightful little feature. It's like the Citroen era of making cameras where like, well, let's just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But there's so many around, you know, there was like, here's what I've got here, Pan, uh, Canon AF35M, uh, Nikon L35AF, L135AF, L35AF2. They're, they're all much of a muchness, basically, because all these companies, they were sort of advancing. If you, if you just look at that world of film photography as well, all of these companies are sort of just making tiny, little, tiny little incremental jumps over one another and in the background they're all obviously sourcing their chips and getting this that and the other made so you never had one company that was a hundred miles ahead of the competition because a they were all copying each other um and b you know technology was just progressing and obviously once the microchip came in and you know things got smaller and more compact they were all doing it together so across the board um they were all pretty decent you know if you find a point and shoot with a 2.8 lens 
chances are it's going to be pretty good. Um, and it doesn't matter what the brand is. And they're all going to be similar, you know. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, uh, but these cameras from the 80s, you know, they, they're 30 years plus old at this point, And they are starting to get more ropey. I mean, this thing, of there are millions of them around. Yeah, but that number of good working ones is getting forever smaller. I've got one of those Nikon AF2s and it's great, but I have to smack it hard on my leg to get it to wind forwards every time. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's the, that's, the, that's the thing about the eighties. That was the age when you had to give the television a whack, <laughs> wasn't it? To tune in properly. I mean, this is, that is, that is whackable technology, but I, I don't know. So technology. I, I, I love that. I, I, I've, I, I've got to like flow a, a different angle on this and I'm not disagreeing with you. Anna. I'm not, not yeah. at all i might actually i might be slightly aligning with Stephen. i'm not sure but maybe he'll correct me if i'm wrong there but but you know we've got uh yeah we, we we're in a position right here 2019 uh where actually the people who can afford to shoot film i think most people are sending you know, we, we talk a lot about developing your own film and stuff like that on this podcast but i, I I've, I've got to feel that most people who are shooting film are sending it away to a lab. I, yep. I can't, I can't, I don't think we're in a position where most people are, are doing their own. So let's say that most people can afford to spend, I don't know, 20, 25 quid on shooting and getting uh, developed in some way about 36 exposures. Right. And those are those people who, who, who like bigger, yeah, bigger negatives uh, or, or bigger cameras, I suppose. Um, are, are going to be spending a similar amount of money to get 15 shots or, or 12 shots right yep. so yeah you know, we what and, and i think that's a good thing right and and the reason i think that's a good thing is because we've got to make this th we've got to make this economically sustainable and economically viable we've got there's got to be money in it for people otherwise nobody's gonna nobody's gonna want to do it nobody's gonna be able to afford to do it yes. so so going back to what Stephen was saying about would i give olympus 300 quid for a camera well if it was a decent enough camera and i'm not asking for anything miraculous i'm just asking for you know, to be reasonable at that price point yeah maybe i would yeah maybe i'd do it at 500 quid um you know because you it's it's got to be something that is is profitable for the manufacturer hasn't it um, yeah and, and it's got to be something that's made by grown-ups and not something that you know gets a hundred grand on Kickstarter and is actually never made. Yeah. Uh, Someone buys a Rolls Royce and the money's never seen again. Well, I mean, you know, we, we know there are ca camera projects at the moment with, with the intent to make new film cameras. Um, and, and the challenges, you know, as I've said it to, to do this properly, was probably going to cost millions of dollars. Now, you're not going to be able to raise that money on Kickstarter. And also, do you want a bunch of people that you've never heard of <laughs> making a camera? There's <laughs> <laughs> a one four thousandth of a second shutter. Well, this is, yeah. for me, this is for me where I think the celebrities can get involved. Okay, okay, you know, a few years ago, no one ever thought that a hip hop artist would have probably have the world's coolest headphones on everybody's heads and now engineered into Apple equipment, you know, but Dr. Dre made beats headphones, right? Yeah. And because he's a figurehead, um, people know him and he attracted a different market. Um, and he made a pretty decent quality product. I don't like them. I just think they're just massive adverts on your, 
worn on your head. They're the sort of opposite of what I like in headphones. But they he killed it. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Now, imagine um, whichever celebrity at the moment um, suddenly gets in in with a tech company. Yeah, you just don't know the names brand. of any celebrities, do you? I do. You, just but, pause, yeah, was... you pause there because you didn't know any celebrities. Roger Moore. Names. Roger Moore. Imagine Roger Moore. He did. <laughs> um whoever um gets in with okay drake let's say drake okay uh hip-hop artist um so someone who's known for their photography or a bit of their photography to a new market they get in with canon and it's for me if there's that sort of collaboration something like that could do well because then you've got the old world and the new world combining on a project that is bringing back something that is cool and you've got a new generation saying this is cool uh, Absolutely. And, and you know, I did that story that um, I think it was Mike Padua um, from Shoot Film Co. noticed it. And I, I followed it up um, that Brie Larson was shooting on this FM10. Well, right. Brie Larson's really into photography and she's really into film photography. Yep. And the fact that she, instead of like, dumping $1,500 on a Contax T2, um, which I'm sure she can afford, she's on the new Marvel film. Um, but she was at this, you know, front row at a fashion show with a an FM10, which is a fairly ugly, um, unremarkable, but perfectly usable and reliable camera that will cost you fifty quid with a lens. It's like hats off to you, and you know, maybe maybe that is going to get Cosina or someone to go. You know what? Um, let's make something like this again it, it, and to sort of maybe push the the conversation another way I, you know I think when a camera comes out a new film camera that's made by one of the the grown-ups the, the big companies is not going to probably not going to be autofocus I think it's going to hark back in the same way that a lot of the higher-end DSLRs and um, mirrorless cameras have harked back to that you know golden era of film camera design so that we'll have something that looks and feels a bit like those olympus um rangefinders from the early 70s which you know something like that you will be able to make and sell for three four hundred quid because you don't have all of those fiddly little electronics which um you know push the price up make the camera less robust and make it you know more expensive but you know you'll be able to use modern batteries on it and you know you'll be able to buy spare parts for it because it's currently being made i think i think there's a good side to all of these celebs and i i think i think anil was right i think somebody is going to use you know put two and two together and think these people have this person has 25 million followers on instagram and really loves their photography and their film photography maybe it's worth taking a punt um, I mean, we can't we can't get away from the fact that film photography as a as an art form or as a, a you know a hobby is something that is incredibly cool I've, i'm seeing film cameras in adverts for everything nowadays um and people are carrying them on you know around as fashion accessories on catwalks and if you you know if you hung around one of the london fashion weeks or any of those events everyone's got a 
you know, they're slumming it with the K1000 deliberately, even though, if they, even though they've got a Louis, v, Louis Vuitton handbag, right? It, it's, a, it's a statement. And there's a, as you know, there's coding within that world. You know, there's some people who are deliberately, you know, I'll, I'm only going to shoot with a Lubitel. Um, and there's that whole geekiness Arsehole. within that. <laughs> hey, but, um, Lubitel. So as with fashion, you know, um, they're, 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 there's a fashion within that world as well. And I think, I, I think that's what upsets a lot of people in the, you know, I'm going to use the term lightly serious film photography community because they think, oh God, who's sort of, you know, slumming it and just taking over and being a bit of a, you know, day tripper in our cultural thing that we spend so much time and money on. But we've got to let go of that. I mean, we should just be happy that these cameras are out there. People are being seen with them and talking about them. And so in a way, it's annoying. But the the fact that the prices are going up is almost a fact. Oh, well, it's a twofold thing. A, it's showing that they're popular. And B, it's actually showing that they're becoming scarce. Yeah, and, and, and you know, one good thing that will come out of um, the price of film, you know, we're talking about this on the day that Fujifilm's raised its prices by at least 30%. Um, you know, where there's a market where more money is being spent in it, that means there's more likelihood that investment will be returned. So more people are more likely to invest in making something for that market. See, that's where my head's at as well on this. Is that I, 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 I think there's, there's a, there's a risk that we've got this all a bit the wrong way around. Yeah, because it, to make to make these things viable and to make them sustainable, the thing that we haven't got right that we haven't got coming through at the moment is new cameras. Yeah. There, there are some great you know new films around you know uh, uh you know and and it's a fan it, it seems like a positive time for film it seems like a positive time for film photography it doesn't at the moment seem like a positive time for film cameras right um and you know it, it's uh, is it not then perhaps a good thing right i'll I'll, put, I'll stick my head out i'll be the one to attract anybody who wants to flame anybody flame me on the internet i haven't been flamed for ages it'd be great you know it, is it not actually a good thing, right? Because this stuff we're talking about, oh, yeah, it's still possible to get this, it's still possible to get that. What that tells me is it's not yet time for anybody to release a new camera. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> and, and actually, I'd rather get to, I'd rather get to that point a bit quicker. Right? I'd, I'd rather get to the point where the cameras are expensive enough that people would seriously consider buying new ones rather than old ones. And, and, and that then is what, surely that removes a barrier to entry to the market, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't I, it? I think I think what you uh, I, I completely agree with you, Aid, and I think that's really nicely summed up. What we can take away from this is that at the end of the day, the celebrities with cameras and the prices of these things going through the roof is not the problem for the industry. The problem for the industry is Anil and the message <laughs> that he is promoting of go out, pick up a camera for a quid, get these super cheap cameras. That's the problem then, because then, you know, it gives people this false perception of, well, that's how much I should be paying for a camera. And it's going to make it very hard to make that mental jump to go, well, OK, actually, I will pay £300 for this. So really, the the, the, the enemy in this is definitely Anil. I think. <laughs> as, as always. <laughs> no, but like, they uh, usually do. <laughs> not paying for music and uh, not paying for films and television. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. it's just that, that some cameras are getting more expensive. But, you know, OK, one of my favorite cameras is the Pentax ME Super. And that hasn't changed in price for about the past two years, really. You know, it's just sat there and it's an incredible camera. 
um, and it's, it's just sat there. So obviously there's a big element of fashion and what is cool. And, you know, if you're young and you're going out with your mates, you know, there is a reason you want to point and shoot because it sits in your, you know, it doesn't matter if you splash beer on it, you can go out, the flash is really good and you get that look. Uh, and, and it's a cool thing. You can hang it around your neck and it's not some big, heavy chunk of metal you're carrying around. So that there's a reason why those things in particular as well are jumping up, up in price yeah. uh, because they're the accessible ones. They're the ones, if you like, they're the entry point where someone might want to go, oh, I want, I, I want a film camera because I saw my friend win one in the skate park. Yeah. And on, on that note, you know, I, I go, I do a lot of photography in Brighton. There are, you know, skaters love film cameras. They've been, you know, f- photographing each other for decades. We know that. But it is very cool now to be walking around with a film camera. And it's nice to see. I, I see kids, you know, in their uh, mid-teens onwards, um, you know, you've got different generations now walking around with film cameras and not seeing them as weird. So I think that, that it's all a, it's all a really good thing. London, London, I think in the last three years, I mean, I, I, I used to sort of grin like a, a fool and probably scare people on, on <laughs> in central London um, if I saw somebody with a film camera just because I didn't see that many people with them. I see people with film cameras every day now. I see them on the tube. I see them on the trains into London. I see them walking around Westfield uh, in West London, which is near my work. I see them walking along Oxford Street. I see them everywhere. And I see young people, um, you know, kids 25, 30 years younger than me. And that's that's what's going to save film photography so so what kind of cameras are they carrying do they want point and shoots um, uh, okay yeah well you know i'll be honest here there's lots of contacts t2s yeah. um and there's lots of mutus because they've because obviously the media they're looking at puts those things up on a pedestal and goes well these are the cool ones so yes it's a fashion accessory but at least they're using it and that's the start point right and so once that camera dies and they're gutted they then start looking into it and finding other ones that are out there um, and then trying other things out. And that's part of the fun of it. But I think as long as they're getting into it, it's like when vinyl, I remember, you know, I I grew up in a world of records, but I, I only started, I bought my first record when I was 21. We couldn't afford a record player when I was young. And that was, so that was in the early 90s and that was well into the CD era. Um, but I, I really got into vinyl and sort of that, the early 90s thing, um, you know, the acid jazz movement, where suddenly jazz, funk, soul, rare groove, all that music came back and people were finding it on vinyl and reissuing it and um, buying all the old stuff. And it was a really exciting time. And it was, yes, you could buy it on CD, but the whole culture of the dance floor and the whole thing was about having it on vinyl. And then beyond that, it was about having it on playing it on a Technics 1200 DJ deck. You know, so there's the, the software and the hardware, if you like. Um, and they go hand in hand and each of the, you know, every, every generation has its cultural codes and its cultural, cultural icons. And that's a good example. I mean, the, the Technics, um, factory, I think it got demolished in one of the earthquakes in Japan a few years ago. Um, and that's such an iconic turntable, but I believe they're back now. And if you go into an HMV, well, or any record shop now, you know, they're selling records again for a start. Um, and also you can buy turntables now again lots of brands are making turntables yes i get it they're they're much easier to make um as a piece of technology but you've got generations of kids now who love the records and so people like the physical medium 
you know you get bored of digital that you like something you can touch and engage with in a in a different way and so as long as people are getting into it one way or another we, we should hopefully celebrate that yeah it's, it can be annoying when the camera you want has suddenly jumped up and it's out of your price bracket um but if you've got half a brain on you you know you know you it's probably not worth the punt anyway because there's I, enough of the stuff out there i've got one last question for you guys because I, I think we want to move on because i want to sort of find out what yeah. steven's been up to this film but you know we talked about the celebrities and the impact that they can have and um, we know Chris Hemsworth obviously listens to this show because why wouldn't he? I mean, it's the uh, preeminent photography show for film photographers. Um, so we know Chris is listening. Um, and, yeah, goodbye. His film, please, Chris. Um, if you say to Chris um, or Kendall Jenner, who definitely also listens, but they all do. They love this show. Uh, we're a big hit with just those people, our three listeners. Um, what camera? Because the Contax T2, we don't really want loads of people buying those, not because of the price, but because they're going to let them down and it'll be disappointing for them. What camera would you love to see a celebrity with? And you would look and go, oh, great. That is a great camera for you to be out there promoting because that's just like that's going to bring the most people the most joy. What camera would that be for you guys? Uh, Lomo LCA. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, the original ones, the Soviet ones, the heavy ones. The that's, heavy a good, ones. that's a good shout. I mean, yeah. it's, it's one made on a Friday. <laughs> No, because, you know, in the 90s, you know, the whole uh, sort of Seattle grunge scene, it was all about the um, Holgers, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, that, all that lomography and stuff came back, and that, that actually defined the look for a lot of the album covers back in those days, that sort of over cross-process and over-the-top film photography. So uh, that's a good shout, because those, those, they're, they're accessible, yeah. they're available, and they're sort of d- deliberately ret- retro, aren't they? And the, and the price of Lomo LCAs to sort of buck the trend of what we've been talking about, they're going yeah. down. They've, they've dropped a lot. You can you, it used to be impossible to find an LCA for less than about a hundred, hundred and twenty quid. You can get them for fifty quid now. Yeah, and, I think uh, there might be a reason for that, Stephen. Well, <laughs> tell you what, I've had more trouble with a lot more you know classic well-reviewed well-regarded cameras than i have a soviet i'm not talking about the modern you know made in china like those 1986 soviet um lca which is still going and has never had had to be repaired all all it's needed was to have a couple of screws replaced on on the front cover and you know it was second hand when i bought it in 2000 and it's still going. It, it's, you know, you, yes, I'm sure you could have somebody else on the show next week who said, I bought one and the damn thing fell apart after five minutes. I mean, with, you know, every camera you're going to have your, your champions and your, your, your people who, who can't stand them. But um, I just think there, you know, it goes back to, to what Anil was agreeing with that, you know, camera as something to play with and to have fun with and i think that's how we get people well that's the gateway drug for getting into film photography is having fun with it and you know getting those scans back because you know let's not forget people aren't printing stuff people enjoy those you know negatives coming back via we transfer and you know if you stick some old slide film if you're lucky enough to find some on eBay or even just, you know, the demography 
print film, the CN100. Um, that looks fantastic in that camera. And it, it just, it, to me, it's everything that a, um, a small usable film camera should be. It's fun. It takes great pictures. It's easy to use. Um, I would, I would love to see, I, I, there's a final camera I forgot to mention. It's, it's the perfect point for it, which is, um, it's probably the, the most common 80s point and shoot. And it's got a 38 mil 2.8 lens and it is the very basic, but they are, they are everywhere. I'm sure they came free in a packet of snaps in the eighties, but these, uh, it's the Canon sure shot Supreme. And oh, yeah. they, they are, I mean, they are everywhere these things and they're cheap as chips and they are fantastic 2.8 lens i mean that's faster than a surely that's faster than a, faster a, a contact lens yeah exactly um but these things you know uh, they're available and they work you know they they mastered this technology here's something it's a box i can drop it i can throw it in the air it will land and it will carry on working it's got a good flash on it everything works job done a great point to shoot yeah i think rachel's got one of those doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> but it probably only costs 50p i've got about seven of them i've got about seven i'm not kidding i've got drawers full of these but they're great i love them uh perfect what about I, you, I don't know i me yeah because you 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 are not really into this kind of point and shoot nonsense so if you if you wanted to put a camera in a celebrity's hand are you going to make them carry around the bronica um uh, uh, okay so you know i mean they they they, bronicas don't fit in handbags very well um but so so i have bought uh uh, over the last few years on uh, one or two you know compact cameras i had a a minox one and and i just found they broke right and and i'm not interested in that kind of thing i mean i i i want to have something that's reliable i want to focus on the image making so i totally get what anna is saying about they can be really good fun right um, and they are that you can stick them in a coat pocket for a night out, you know, down the pub in a way that you in in, in a place where you wouldn't take a, an SLR that that's going to get beer swilled all over it. Although, to be fair, my beer swilling days are <laughs> mostly behind me. But the I, I don't know. And, and to that extent, I don't actually even know what compact camera I, I would advise. I, 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 I think I, I'd say to anybody, try and buy something that is robust. Yeah, something that's known for being robust rather than pretty. Something that's known to work. I mean, I I like working. You know, uh, I like working automatic exposure. Right. I'm, I'm not that fussed about zone focusing versus auto focusing. Although auto focusing, I guess, would be nice if it was reliable. Um, but so, but I don't even know enough about these things. I mean, I I I'm looking at this thinking, okay, well, do you know what? Hopefully, the prices will go up, and whether it's whether it's because supply is dwindling whether it's because demand is rising or whether it's usually as it always or usually is a, a, a feature of both i'd like to get to the point where these cameras are so expensive you could you could be realistic to to start up an assembly line and start you know producing stuff because then you could go out and buy something new um uh because yeah you know, and and that has to be i know it's i know it's not what a lot of people want to hear because they want it to be cheap right um oh i can buy a I can buy a cheap you know film camera and then I, even with the film costs it's still way less than a digital camera but cheap isn't sustainable mm. so i and you know i know I, I i guess in that extent to that extent i'm speaking from a position of luxury right in it, which is that if somebody released a really really good 
film camera that cost 500 quid i could i could afford to go out and buy it i'm fortunate that way right i mean, I mean it has to be said that you can go out and buy film cameras that cost a lot more than that today and um, most of them are called leicas and i haven't bought one of them because i don't want one but that's <laughs> but but if it's going to be sustainable it needs to be at a price that allows people to make money and that's the thing that i would like to do i'd like to i'd like i'd like to see the supply of these things dwindle. So maybe it's a good thing that Anil is sitting on them all. <laughs> well, I do give them away. I give the odd one away anyway. Well, yeah, that's the wrong thing to do, Anil. You no, need it's to not. stockpile them. You need you, <laughs> you need to stockpile them. We need to fill up that empty volcano in the Far East. <laughs> that Ev's living in. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you're listening, Bellamy, make a really, really good camera, really, really cheap. No, <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no! You're not make paying it attention. Really, really expensive. Make so a bad camera, very expensive. Make it, make, make it, make it at a, a price that's sustainable for both the manufacturer and the consumer. That's got to be the right thing, surely. That, that, that can only happen through economies of scale. You know, if if whatever Bellamy makes, I'd imagine it's gonna it's gonna be you know it's gonna have to be a premium quality camera, and it's gonna cost because it's gonna have to cost for a lot of reasons. Uh, as we know, to make something like that costs money, but also to sustain the, you know, he's not going to be selling them by the millions. So the cost is going to have to reflect that. So by definition, any new camera or any new premium is going to be expensive. Yeah. But and let's get, so let's get, let's get a, a Bellamy point and shoot, the JCH camera. Let's get that in the hands of Kendall Jenner. But it, it doesn't exist yet. Will we, all right. <laughs> Details, details. Has he not sent you <laughs> one? He's got, he's got a disposable I've, one. I've had mine for weeks. He's sending it out to, well, I probably shouldn't have said that, but yeah. All the influencers. All the influencers have got one quite the marketing impact he was hoping for. But. <laughs> if we're going to talk about things that don't quite exist yet, we can talk about my 120 film. Great segue. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Back yes. of the net. <laughs> so go on, let's hear about the 120 film, Stephen. So, um, Cosmo Photo Mono, um, I don't know if people saw the announcement, but um, uh, probably about 10 days ago, um, I announced that Cosmo Photo Mono is coming out in 120 uh, for medium format cameras. Um, and the first batch is currently being produced and will be out uh, in May. Um, available for the first batch only through the Cosmo photo shop, but then uh, I'm hoping fairly soon after there'll be um, another batch, which will go out to uh, shops and to the distributors I work with in uh, Europe and in Asia. Hey, so, Stephen. Yeah. Steve, I've just had an idea. You know what you could do? You could put a, a golden ticket in one of the boxes yeah. and whoever finds it wins a point and shoot. But it's 120 film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the backup camera, right? It's a, it's a, a Fuji, um, one of their medium format point and shoots. It's fine. You can you can stomach that cost, can't you? <laughs> I've got a couple of Holgers somewhere. They can have one of those. Um, so, yeah, so that film is coming out. Um, if you have a look on the Cosmo Photo shop, um, not only is there um, uh, a page where you can pre-order the film, but um, you can also see the packaging, which is, um, again, done by my mate Does Art, who does all my um, wonderful uh, artwork around the film releases and postcards. And, yeah, it looks absolutely fantastic. So 
I'm hugely excited uh, to see what people do with it because I've used the emulsion that um, uh, Cosmophoto uh, is before in 120 and it looks fantastic. So, um, it, yeah. Is it the same? Is it is it going to give the same look as the 35mm or is it a slightly different emulsion? No, it's exactly the same, but uh, it looks... Bigger. Yeah, it does look slightly different in... 120 than it does 35 mil. I don't know how to describe it, but like other people who use this wonderful European emulsion um, <laughs> agree. They say in 120, even though it's the same thing, it just has a slightly different look and it, it looks fantastic. So up yours, Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it actually says on the packaging, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> there are, there are other other uh, film manufacturers are available so um yeah if you're if you're planning to get out into well, it'll be summer weather almost um 100 speed film is great and if you've got a medium format camera um you know what to do that's fantastic are we going to be seeing any different speeds coming is that the next thing on the list um i mean i i said last time that uh my my dream was to have uh uh have a roster of films. Um, I've chatted to various people, uh, including one person who was on your show a few weeks back. Um, but as of yet, no firm news. I've had some quite interesting discussions with some people that even seven or eight months ago, I didn't know they still made film, but they do. Um, I can't divulge that yet, but hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to do um, something with them. That will be another black and white film. That would be cool. Uh, well, I hope it's a bit quicker. A year. It's taken a year to get to the 120, so I hope you're going to get the turnaround a, a bit quicker next time. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and four by five. We need that as uh, well. No, I mean I'm I'm a 35. I mean even 120 is too cumbersome for me sometimes. Uh, even though I do love it, no, I'm 35 mil and 120. I think, I think if we're we're pushing film as relevant to um, the majority of people who, you know, let's be honest, ah, Steve, Stephen, this is the, 2019 is the year of four by five. You, I, mean, I think last year we were seeing that. I mean, all right, I'm not going to say the numbers are perhaps going to level out so that four by five is doing as well as 35 mil, but four by fives coming up strong and just imagine how cool the picture would look on the box of four by five film. you could really go to town with the artwork on that <laughs> well i mean the emulsion is made in four by five but um maybe maybe steve lloyd and i have to get together and come up with the with a plan but um uh, yeah i've never shot a large format in, in my life so well, there you go. Steve Lloyd, if you're listening, which you are, because it's you, Chris Hemsworth, and Kendall Jenner. Um, sort Hi, this man out with the camera. What are you doing? I, I want to know what um, what camera Steve... He's he's a fan of the Olympus 35RC, I know. And that's that's exactly the kind of camera I think should be coming back. In fact, I wrote, I wrote a piece, like an opinion piece on the blog a few, a few weeks back saying, you know, this is what the new the new film camera that needs to be made should look like so i, I actually stuck my head on the parapet 
That's a very difficult uh, thing to do. So a little um, sort of automatic rangefinder. Yeah, manual focus. Yeah. Um, uh, the 35RC is, you know, they're called it the poor man's like. Yeah, I've got I've got one somewhere. <laughs> of course <laughs> no. you do. I've got a few. Um, that lens is extraordinary. The shutters always go on those. There's the RC, the RD, uh, DC, RD, RC, isn't there? And the SP, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I'm glad you remembered that. I've been really annoyed if you've No, I don't any. have them all. I'm just trying to recall them. I don't... <laughs> the I mean, shutter, that, that, the I'm not convinced actually. That, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> the PP, the FC, the YMCA, the. Um, whilst we are talking about film, before we go back off the track on talking about cameras again, uh, this is a perfect moment to let you guys all know about some other film news that's happening. And this is from our good friend, um, Adam from Double Films. And he has got in touch to let us know that there's some um, changes happening with Double Film in a couple of ways so the first thing is that some of the names are changing on the films uh so um monsoon film is becoming pacific moonstruck is becoming apollo and sunstroke is becoming solar and um i think the bubblegum and jelly films are both staying the same uh the emotions i think are being um updated uh let's put that so there's gonna be some slight changes some tweaks to that um so you'll want to keep keep an eye on double film to see exactly what's going on with that um the other thing that's happening with the film is that they are changing it currently they are 24 exposure rolls of film and they are going up to 36 exposures which will be a lot better for the majority of people who are getting those films as has been discussed this evening uh developed at labs because it's usually the same cost to get 36 yeah. as 24 um the cost is going up a little bit it's going up from 10 50 to 12 pounds but that still works out cheaper per photo because obviously getting more pictures um so that's really cool news and there is going to be more news coming from double uh actually i think on the day this podcast goes out i had a message from adam saying well if the podcast goes out after 4 p.m you could share this news and I'm like no this podcast goes out at midnight the night before so um watch double for more news about what's going on more exciting stuff coming from them um yeah it's just uh, uh it's just good to see that um you Stephen and adam you know it's it's progressing forwards because it's it's tough times for you the, the smaller film companies to kind of make that step up i guess from your first film to your to the, the difficult second film and, and on from there well yeah uh, i mean if i look back on this time last year uh the demand for the film was crazy um and i there was one month where I just couldn't believe how much I was selling. So I had delusions of grandeur that I was going to have to chuck my job in and sell black and white film in, you know, enormous quantities. Um, and then the summer hit and then things were terrible until, um, pretty much until Christmas time, but not just for me, just, you know, this would be a great subject for a, a follow up show is um you know last year was the the latter half of last year was really bad for um a lot of the film photography community in terms of you know the people who are selling stuff um and i've heard this from you know some of the people we know um some of the people i deal with that suddenly people stopped buying film and shops stopped putting orders in or you know the order might have been 33% of what it was two months before. And so a lot of people had 
some pretty challenging times and nobody knows exactly why. I mean, there's rumblings that the world economy is going to go through another recession. So maybe it's people are just being a bit more careful about spending the money they have in their pocket. But, um, you know, this we're all hugely optimistic and um, sort of bright eyed about the resurgence and the renaissance that film is undeniably having. Uh, you know, more people are shooting it, more people are excited about it, but it's still quite a fragile thing. And, you know, it's it's not mainstream. So, uh, you know, you have a few um, a few years where, you, you know, you have a six-month period where things are a bit shaky, then that might be a good thing. So it would it would be really interesting to get a bunch of people together, you know, on Sunny 16 or, you know, some other forum and just like talk, you know, try and go over what happened to everyone in the latter half of last year and, and work out, you know, how we prevent that happening again. Yeah. Like, One of before, my views is... Yeah. I, th- I think this... Our, I don't know what we call it, our, our industry, our movement needs to get better at PR. Yeah. You know, getting cameras, getting film, getting people beyond our little circle of enthusiasm talking about this stuff. And, you know, I mean, literally getting a PR company to start to think. I mean, when in the 90s, I used to design T-shirts for various brands and we would pay stylists who then would dress the, you know, the bands going on top of the pops or whatever in our T-shirts. Um, and you'd get the word out that way and make sure if someone was in a magazine shoot that they'd be wearing that T-shirt. So I, I think we've got to get better at latching onto the, the wider world out there and getting the word out uh, through, obviously, people enthusiastic in film and photography. Uh, but, you know, I think that involves getting together, uh, like you said, Stephen, um, but doing it together and just maximising uh, the impact and uh, the impetus of of how it's done. Because, you know, we live in this world of social media now, which is fantastic. And so promotion is possible, but mm. thinking a step beyond that, you know, someone probably had put that camera into the hand of Kendall Jenner. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so we've got to start thinking that way. Who did that? Why did they do it? Um, but you know, how, you know, who should be using Cosmo photo film, you know, where, who should be seen with it or, you know, I, I think there's, there's that next stage that has to be taken for us to get, better and to be more seen out there and to sort of pick up more, more momentum yeah absolutely uh, i'm i'm afraid i'm gonna have to go now guys so um i have uh, various uh important vats of chemicals um <laughs> right here and <laughs> you've been watching breaking bad again <laughs> uh, no I'm, I'm i'm literally in in the bedroom with the cat snoozing <laughs> Oh, that, that cat's going for a rough time ahead then by the sounds of it <laughs> gonna go full joker on that cat well i think we're about ra- wrapping up point anyway aren't we aid i th- i think we are and if uh, and if that's the case if you if you've got to go there steve then let, let, let's wrap this whole thing up because uh you know it's it, it, it's been fun but uh, even fun things have to come to an end somehow and i don't think we're going to solve the problems we've been chatting about so, <laughs> so, yeah. so we're asking uh, a few other a few better questions 
<laughs> yeah absolutely okay all right so well i'll tell you what you guys have been great uh, and Stephen, um you know uh as always we like to to allow our guests to to point people to to places on the internet where our listeners should go and explore stuff so where would you like to send our listeners to um cosmophoto.com slash shop where you can find um all the cosmophoto goodies 35 millimeter film um postcards t-shirts still a few t-shirts left um wonderful hand-stitched leather film cases and um cosmophoto 120 which is available for pre-order uh, out in may uh, and the only place on planet earth and possibly everywhere else um uh, that you can pre-order it is the cosmophoto shop so um if you've got a holger bronica iskra um and some other kind of medium format camera that doesn't end with a not a lubitel uh, though not a lube, well, no shut up <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a medium format camera that's dying to be used and you like black and white film why not order a few rolls and um, keep my cat and cat food excellent no, no good stuff yeah great and i do love the cosmonaut with the tlr on the box it's awesome <laughs> hugely happy about that you know shout out to martin aka uh my mate desart who um i said what i'd like is this and he went all right then and uh, off he went and and yeah it looks fantastic cool excellent thank you for being with us uh anil um have we fulfilled your brief oh. <laughs> um yes you uh did it swimmingly well chaps well done uh your uh your free uh point of shoot is in the post yay <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you make it one of the ones that works please oh god i knew there was the catch i've had great graham has sent me point and shoots that don't work in the past it's like, uh, oh, they great. work you just don't like the way they work that's the problem with those well, you, think uh, you know what can i say what can i say i i'm a person that likes the camera to melt away in the background so i can focus on the image but there you go that's that's just me it's not that's one of the great things about it isn't it is that every, Such everybody a snob. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's another way of thinking about it. And if that's the tag you want to put on me, well, that's 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 Mr. Fancy Pants (laughs) and Sal Adams over there. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I am. Yeah, Um, because the other thing is I've never ever been in a dark room. But there you go. Okay, so anyway, so Anna, we have we covered any of the brief? Well, I think we were just going to talk around, talk about point and shoots, weren't we? And I think we've covered all sorts of areas about them. I, I think it's an area I think a lot of listeners are just interested in, you know, which ones are good and which ones aren't. And I think everyone has different experience. But I mean, I, as a general rule as well, I think most point, point and shoots that look half good from the 90s, uh, usually you can tell the 90s ones because they're silvery. The 80s ones were all black. Um, and they're, they're, they're usually all half decent. So, you know, if you see one in a charity shop for, you know, under three quid, just give it a punt because, you know, you might have a great camera. You can have a bit of fun. And if for any reason it doesn't work, you give them some money to a charity shop. So everyone's a winner. Definitely. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, that's a very nice way to 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 think about it. Um, and uh, where would you like uh, to send our listeners on the internet? Um, I probably couldn't say, but I'll send you to my website anyway. But so uh, <laughs> that's um, anilmysteryphoto.com. That's a n i l m i s t r y photo.com. You can see some of my work there, and from there you can uh, uh, click on some of the bits and pieces I've written for various different blogs, and also find my um, Twitter and Instagram. 
okay awesome thank you right uh okay so a couple of housekeeping notices uh as this show goes out on thursday it's only just over two weeks until the photography show sunny 16 meetup uh, in association with 35 mmc whoever they might be um on uh saturday the 16th of march at the photography show at the nec in birmingham uh, be great to see as many of you there as possible um and and until then uh if you're not getting enough fixes uh you can get in touch with us on the internet we are the sunny 16 podcast uh everywhere basically uh unless you want to email us then we're sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com uh we will play you out very shortly oh, hang on hang on hey, just one thing before you do sorry oh, you, uh, well, you, you forgot to remind you could have me put it in the show notes <laughs> oh i told you you're supposed to remember um after the music which i won't say what it is because i don't want to spoil those line but after the music um Listeners will be relieved to hear we've got some audio from the Danger Boys. They're still alive. They sent some audio from <laughs> Tanky Muck One Shot. I haven't listened to it yet. It, it could be anything. It could be the mad ravings of Simon. It's probably the mad ravings of Simon. But we will stick that on after the music for your uh, delectation. Um, I think things have gone interestingly for them down there. Uh, well, well i yes although they did they did at least partially succeed in their mission didn't they because they did manage to make an unfeasibly an unfeasibly large print down there in the dark so oh, they have uh, they're, they're down there again they haven't finished yet they're down there trying to make another better one. Oh, okay well it, well um yes if, if at first you don't die try 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 again <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh so yes in which case so we'll we'll, we'll hear an update from the danger boys after the music uh the music as uh, of course is uh from the album promises i should have kept by rocker uh you can get the music on spotify amazon or itunes and if you have enjoyed the show please consider buying us a cup of coffee uh on coffee.com slash sunny 16 podcast uh there'll be a link to that in the show notes or you can go to our website sunny 16 podcast.com and there's a link there as well and thank you very much to everybody who does that that is the end of the show um as always it has been an honor and a privilege to talk to you all we will be back next week uh thank you and goodbye Bye. Bye. Hey, Sunbeams. That's what they, they call them. I'm serious. <laughs> That's what the world calls them. Okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> We're about to, to, to go to bed inside the tunnels. Uh-huh. <laughs> Simon just lost his his mind over, <laughs> over a pack of spiders. Yeah, they're big, though. They're, they are pretty big. They're weapons. <laughs> He's just like... <laughs> Spider weapons. Anyway, nothing has gone as planned. No. We don't have a camera guy. Uh-uh. Um, but we got a negative. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna sleep and print tomorrow. It's really scary in here. <laughs> Wait, how long have we been in here? I don't know. It's um. <laughs> We've been underground for over twelve hours. Yeah. Current time is uh, zero one eleven. Um, we are set to go to bed, but don't really fancy going to sleep because. 
seriously big spiders about five meters away from us. One just absolutely leathered a centipede thing. <laughs> like, no joke. It properly made a mess of it. Like, woohoo. Really bad. So, anyway, what? we took a shot in one of the tanks. I love we the way you're looking it. at the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in case they can see me through the audio. Yeah. Look, we, do, we developed it and it came out. Mm. It's just everything is on a slight delay. So we're sleeping in the tunnels yeah. and uh, we're going to print tomorrow. Shall we tell them about the pee? <laughs> Simon forgot <laughs> the stopper and there are alternatives. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you for your support. Um, just pray that. Very, very horrible. All right. Good night, guys. Peace.